Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, we are broadcasting from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta. And folks, if you are tired of the mega bank experience, and if you're at one of those banks, hard to get a live person when the chips are down, you don't know what to do. You don't know where to go within that big, massive organization. Renaissance Bank has a different way of doing business. They're big enough to handle pretty much any need you can throw at them, but they're small enough to deliver their services in a personal way. And that's a magic combination. And that's what I've found in the clients that I work with in conjunction with them. So go to renaissancebank.com and find one of their local offices and give them a call. Guess what? They answer the phone. I think you'll be glad you did. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome Joe Farage. Joe's an old friend and a returning guest. Joe is with Revenue Igniter Group and Neary Capital. Joe, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, John. Yeah, great to have you here. Let's talk about how you're serving folks out there at Revenue Igniter Group and Neary Capital. Yeah, what we do is we work with business owners and we help them determine, build, and realize the value in their business before their exit. When they do exit, they can live the lifestyle they want to live and they deserve to live. Terrific. So you're really helping businesses, business owners in their exit. Yes. Yes, exactly. So this is not exit planning per se. It's the exit itself, or is it both? Uh, It's actually both. Okay, good. So we take them from the beginning. I'm glad I asked that question. We get them ready. Uh So basically the the word determine means we help them understand what their business is worth. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do an assessment to see how attractive they are to potential buyers. Mm. And then based on that, we help them put a plan in place to build the value of their business. Because a lot of owners think their business is worth more than it really is. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons a lot of companies do not sell is because there is a, a, a difference between what the owner expects and what a willing buyer is willing to pay for it. So we help the owner understand what others will see their business worth. And then if there's a gap between what it's worth today and what they expect to sell it for, we'll make a plan to help them build that uh, business value. So that's a determined part of it. Got it. I want to get back to that, of course, and get some more detail on that. But let's talk about about you and your journey, Joe. But give folks a little idea of who you are and what your business and career journey has been. Yeah. Well, I grew up in California, so please don't hold that against me. <laughs> it, it used to be a lot different when I was a kid. Yes. It was a great place to grow up. I know sure. it's different today, Yeah, but I went to school out there and I got a mechanical engineering degree. I was good at math and mm-hmm. science and I, I liked that stuff. I had worked in a machine shop and everything. But back then I, I realized that a lot of my friends had a passion about a particular thing. My engineering friends, they wanted to do this or that, I never had that. And when I graduated, I had job offers with Getty Oil, which was big out there. I had worked yeah. with them, mm-hmm. uh, GE, Procter & Gamble, companies like that. And I thought, wow, I'm just going to be a little cog in this big, huge company. Mm-hmm. And it, it didn't excite me a whole lot. And I had talked to someone who was a VP at Fleur 
which was a big construction company at the time, engineering and construction. And he, apart from being a mechanical engineer and having an MBA, he was a veteran Navy nuke submariner. Oh, wow. And so I started thinking about that, and I went and started looking at that program, talking to recruiters, and then went down to San Diego and went on a, a boat. And I was really impressed by the people, both officers and the enlisted people on there as to their knowledge, their skill level, their ability, their leadership abilities and all that. And I thought, mm. wow, maybe this is what I need to do, at least to start, maybe oh. not as a career, but at least to go out and do something and get some adventure in my life. And that's what I did. So I, I, I went, joined the Navy, went to nuclear power school, became a submariner. And what I've realized, I didn't know it back then, but what I realized is that gave me the foundation for mm. everything I do today, yeah. starting with leadership, mm -hmm. following a purpose. Everything we did was mission-based. So you have mm. this mission, and your job is to make sure the mission gets fulfilled. Sure. Integrity, building other people, building leaders mm -hmm. and all that. All of that, that's what I got from the Navy and it's really helped me through my whole career. Mm. I, I always go back to what I, I learned there. When How I many got, years were you in the Navy? I was just there five years. That's quite an enlist, enlistment these days, right? Because a lot, a lot of young people, my son's in the Air Force, and it's a three-year kind of thing. So that's a extended commitment. Yeah, the Navy nukes, the submarine officers, it's a five-year minimum because they, they spend a lot of money training you. So you're, you're in school for a year and a half Yeah, at the Navy's. Okay. Know. So you had, but the, one of the other things that you had there too, in, all, in addition to all those things, is process. Yes, yes. Pro yeah. Which is so important to what you do today. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So you were... But to be in that program, that sounds like a pretty prestigious program to get into. It was considered an yeah. elite program, and you have to go, first of all, they check your whole process, your transcripts. Right. They send someone out to talk to you to understand, are you really knowledgeable and all mm -hmm. that. Then you have to go to Crystal City, to Washington, D.C., and it's a process they put you through. That's what Admiral Rickover used to run that process. Mm. And they, you go and you meet with three different scientists, nuclear scientists, and each one, they, they make it so you're a little stressed there, but anyways, you go <laughs> and, you, and you sit down with a scientist there and he'll ask you whatever he wants. Really? Yeah. He'll, and you don't know what's coming. No, you have no idea. Wow. I still remember one. I went and sat there and the guy said, I use calculus to develop the, the equation for the volume of a sphere. They'll say stuff like that. Somehow I did it. I don't know how. I can't even remember where to start now. But and that, that process is a really looking at what your critical thinking skill is because mm -hmm. you're supposed to talk your way through that and they're assessing you as mm -hmm. to, does this person know what they're doing? You don't, you don't have to have the right answer or any of that. It's just, what's your thought process and how do you work your way through that? So you go through all that and you either get accepted or not. And that's the first, the screening's the first step. And then once you go to nuclear power school, it's exhaustive. The concepts, the technical concepts are not any different than you would get in a university outside. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, they really crunch that time. And that's what the military does. They take things that you would, could normally do, and they make you do it in a short period of time. So they really stress you and make you work towards that and see if you can be successful under that stress. Mm. Wow. Thank you for your service. That that is uh, 
tremendous work. Well, thank and you. We, yeah, I think I speak for all our listeners and just and thanking you for that. But let's take those kind of that foundation that you got early in your career and apply that to exit planning. We talked about yep. the process that you learned integrity mission because certainly getting a business sold successfully is a mission. Let's talk about some of these uh, traits that you bring to your current work. Yeah. I was fortunate. Once I got out of the Navy, I start went into private industry mm-hmm. and I had some key positions managing multiple multi-plant operations. Mm. And in that process was important. I really liked turning around companies, fixing them and all that. And through my career, I did a major acquisition here in the U.S., a $200 million acquisition, which I was in charge of integrating it, and Mm. that was a whole new experience for me. I worked a lot overseas. We did an acquisition in Poland Mm. right after the Iron Current fell and talk about seeing the world from different perspectives. No, yeah. Uh, That was a very big learning experience. I had the opportunity to do a turnaround in Mexico. I was a COO in a company in Mexico, did a turnaround there. And I started a company in Brazil for an Indian company. It was a manufacturing company. So all these things, I realized that process is very important. Knowing what the goal is or what the objective is very important. Mm-hmm. And having a plan to, to achieve that and then executing on that plan and just following up on that. And what I learned through all that is I talked about in the early days, all my friends had this passion they had for something. I never had that. What I realized is my passion was just for addressing challenge, for seeing mm. challenges. And if it was something I liked, I, was, I just became very passionate for it. And then when I decided I don't want to work in the corporate world anymore, I started working here and focusing on Georgia. Mm-hmm. And so I said, what can I do to take, do something that takes all these skills that I've been able to develop and or the experiences I had? And then I thought, I'll work with small businesses here and help them build. And then came the exit planning part of it, because a lot of companies have troubles when they exit. A lot of them don't don't sell. And yeah. then Neary Capital came to me and said, in addition to that, you want to work with us in doing the M&A, which is something I really wanted to do. So all that background comes together when I look at a company and say, okay, what do we need to do to make you attractive to potential buyers, to increase your value, mm. and then to do the right process to get you sold? Joe Farach is with us, folks. Revenue Igniter Group and Neary Capital. Let's, you mentioned how most businesses do not sell that would like to sell. Yeah. Let's talk about some of those challenges that business owners have. You mentioned earlier about the, the expectations yes. between uh, what they think their business is worth and what it really uh, will garner in a sale are mismatched, but they're mismatched for some reason uh, other than maybe false expectations, but <laughs> that may be one of them. But what are those, what are some of those challenges and those reasons why these things happen? Yeah. Good point, John. Yeah. One of them is the differences in expectations. Okay. Other than that, when you look at a lot of businesses, one of the things we see with private companies, especially founder-owned companies, is that the founder knows how to do something real well. Mm. And they started the company because they know how to do something real well, and they had a vision. Mm -hmm. And so they start that. And even though that was good at one point, it starts becoming detrimental because that founder has difficulty backing himself or herself away from the business Mm -hmm. and developing a team to manage and run that business if they're gone. 
And so that's another challenge is that it's, it's the founders too involved or the owners too involved in the details of the business. Mm-hmm. The other part is you mentioned processes. It's a big one. It's a real big one. You can't operate a bit. You can't tell someone that's looking at buying your business that we know how to do or people know how to do it. It's in their heads. They don't want to see that. They want to be able to see that there's processes, there's procedures, and there's a method when you know new people come in or whatever that they can quickly come up to speed mm-hmm. to be able to run uh, the, those systems and processes. Because at the end of the day, no one's buying a business just to keep it the way it is. They're buying it because they want to grow it. They want to scale it. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about transferable value. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at your business, to you, it's got value. But is that value transferable to a potential buyer? And that's what they look at. And so you need to look at it from the perspective of the potential buyers. And so if a lot of these things are missing, that value gets chopped down Mm -hmm. because they're going to tell you, if we take over this business, then we're going to have to fix these things and it costs money. Yeah, And so they'll reduce the value that you think your business should get. What are, you have the unenviable task, I guess it is, of coming in and telling someone, hey, there is a mismatch in what you think the business is worth and what it really is. And um, how do you have that conversation with a business owner? Because that's a that's a little ticklish, right? Yeah. And it's interesting you, you mentioned that because that's the conversation we use to build trust. Mm-hmm. Because we do valuations for the business owners. So we'll bring them in. We'll have them start bringing out their financials and that's the first step. If they don't have good, clear financials, mm-hmm. that's the first sign. And then we have to help them work through that. But then we'll do a valuation. And that valuation identifies gaps they have. Mm-hmm. So it'll say, hey, this is what we think your business is worth. And these are where gaps. There's some things you do really well, better than the average in the industry. There's some things you do not. And those things affect your value. So it's not a... Uh, a subjective conversation. We, we go take it through a process. We come out, we give them a report, we review the report with them, and it shows them what leads to those values in the business mm-hmm. and where the gaps are that we can build a plan so that they increase the value of the business before they, they take that step to actually sell it. So how do you address the I guess the founder issue, for lack of a better way of putting it, where the founder is way too involved in, let's say, the means of production, because that's really a subjective thing, right? It doesn't necessarily show up in the financials, but you've got to assess that to give them great advice on selling their business. So how do you come in and and address that question? Yeah, that's a real tough one, and it's an emotional one. Mm -hmm. And emotional issues are the toughest ones to address. Sure. Looking at the business, and that's where my part of my background helps me in some of that because I can look at processes and things and see that it's either operating fine and that the management team is really driving things, or if it's very dependent on the founder. And that's a discussion we have to start having. The challenge there is if someone comes and they say, I want to sell my business in six months, it's not going to happen if they're too involved in it Mm -hmm. or they're not going to get the value they want or they're not going to be attractive to a potential buyer. And some of that takes some time to help develop them so that they lead them so that they develop their team, Mm -hmm. so their team becomes stronger. If they've got processes, it really helps. If they don't, they have to develop those processes. Mm. 
and we get the owner to, or the founder to start looking more at strategic issues. So when we build a strategy, lots of times they're tactical, doing the tactical things. So we help them start looking at the strategic issues and make clear that's where they need to you know, spend their time focusing on that because that will drive value in the business rather than do the day-to-day. It's that old story. If you're worth $200 an hour and you're doing a $15 an hour job, you're wasting money. And that's what a lot of owners do. They're worth a lot more than some of the stuff they're doing. And what you're describing, I like the way you put that. What you're describing is a inability to look at what you're working on is a return on investment, right? When you're working on, I'm just making this up, when you're doing some sort of daily routine task, the, the, that moves the meter very imperceptibly on the business. When you're working on strategic direction for the business, that is worth thousands and millions of dollars depending on the size of the business, right? That's yes. what we're talking about here is return on your invested time. Exactly. That's exactly right. And the challenge for a lot of people is when you're doing the tactical thing, you see the result right away. If you have to turn a faucet and you turn it, you see the result right away. Yeah. When you're doing strategic things, you have to believe in the process because it'll take more time. If I come in and guide someone and say, you need to develop leaders in your organization because they're doing the work fine, but they're not doing what leaders do. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen with a switch. It takes time to develop that. Mm. And so it's difficult for some people to think of that as a return on investment because they're not seeing it right away. So that's the challenge in working with some of this. But education is the process that helps people recognize that they need to do that. So let's talk about what's involved in terms of timetable. So you come in, you have an assessment with a business owner and they want to sell their business and they may have some timetable they want to sell it on. I guess what's the lead time? And I know it varies by business. So immediately that comes to mind that it varies by business, but what's realistic in terms of Getting an assessment f- from you, should I even get, should, should I have a conversation with you before I even decide whether I'm going to sell my business? It, should it be, happen that early? Yes, I think it, it should. There are things, different things that happen. Some business owners are, will come to me and they just want to sell their business and they don't want to take the time to do all that because they're just tired. They want to get out or whatever. And we look at the business, you know, some cases the business may have been run well and they've got all the financials in place, all the details in place. So we say, okay, let's move forward with this. In that case, it could take eight months to a year to sell a business by the time you go through that whole process, find the buyers, go through the whole negotiation and all that. If they're not ready, and if someone, I've had people ask me, when should I start thinking about exit planning? And I tell them, when you start the business. <laughs> because <laughs> That's not the answer they're expecting, no, that, no. right? <laughs> but the thing is, all the stuff you do in exit planning and all that are the processes. It's making sure that the business is set up to run well. Mm-hmm. So I know people are not, that's not what they're worried about when right. they're starting the business. So 
typically you should start thinking about it three to five years before you sell, not mm. six months before. And then when we sit, take a look at it, if your business is doing real well, then we just keep it on that track mm-hmm. and do, you talked about return on investment. How can we increase that return on investment? Mm-hmm. So at the moment you decide to sell, it's going to be more. Mm. If it's not, if you've got a lot of the things missing, then we put a plan in place and hold you accountable for following that plan so that you grow the value of the business. And then when you get it to a point where it's going to be what you want to sell it for, then we'll put it on the market and then push to get that value for the business there. So the earlier you look at it, at least to understand what it's going to take, the better. And I recommend every business should have a valuation. And in some cases, you probably do it every year. Mm Mm-hmm. For example, I work with one company now from a, a management consulting perspective, and I started working with them in 20, 2021, January 2021. Mm-hmm. At that time, it's a small privately owned company, but it, they've got shares out there because they've got multiple shareholders. It was $11 a share. Mm. The last valuation, it was $63 a share. Oh, wow. Okay. And th- they have an excellent CEO. They brought him in to fix things there. We started working with them, putting the strategy in place and doing those things. And that's what you see when you do the strategic aspects to grow a business value. Mm. You'll see results like that. And they're not ready to sell yet. They want to actually even double that. So Mm. Good for them. Good for them. So I'd be remiss if we, I know we're coming down on time, but I'd be remiss if I didn't talk to you, ask you about the actual process itself. So when it's time, when it's time to put a business on the market, what are some of the uh, big challenges and roadblocks a business owner can run into they need to think about and know ahead of time may be coming? Whoever's going to buy your business is going to do a due diligence process. And if you haven't been through that, it's basically they go through every closet you have in the house and look for mm-hmm. skeletons mm-hmm. in there. And so what you want to do is you want to make sure that you either do not have skeletons or if you do, you know how to address that and that they're not surprised by it, that they know about it. Mm-hmm. So the first part is when someone wants to sell a business, we go through a process, about a 40-page document where we go through a lot of questions. We start understanding the business. We get the financials. We go into a lot of details. Unfortunately, a lot of business owners will charge things to the business that are not really business-related, and we have to clean that up. Oh, come on. I'm shocked to hear but that. Once in, a while, <laughs> once in a while, you'll see that. And I even had one person out in California that had an airplane not a small one. It was a six-seater charge to the business, and all his flights were charged. But, oh, okay. Well, but in any case, you start looking at those, and you're seeing, okay, how? what is this business? What's its value? Who are potential buyers for this business, and mm-hmm. what are they looking for? And you, you may have different, different buyers may have different things they're looking for. Mm. And so when we start piecing and marketing that business and putting together what we call a SIM, it's a confidential information memorandum. Mm-hmm. It's a significant document bringing out key points in the business and the value it can bring to people and all that. We know how to address it so it be, it shows the attractiveness of the business mm. to those potential buyers. So that's a first phase. It's the marketing. Then we go out and we contact companies that, I say companies, it could be private equity, it could be a family office, Mm -hmm. it could be a company that would be interested in buying 
whoever's selling their business. And we obviously get a, a confidentiality agreement, but then we provide them with the information and discuss it with them. Mm-hmm. And then when the interested buyers are in, obviously at the whole time we're talking with the seller, letting yep. them know what's happening. We have what's called a letter of intent and those interested buyers will provide a letter of intent. The, the seller picks what he thinks, who the best buyer is. And then we start focusing on that and working the deal with that particular buyer and getting into the sales process. And then, they have their due diligence and that's where you want to have your business really clean. So it looks attractive to them and no surprises to the uh, potential buyers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Joe, as we wrap up here, I want to ask a couple of questions, a couple more questions if I can. One is talk about the kinds of companies that you work with, the ones that are best fits for you in your practice. Yeah. I work with companies, um, Above three million in revenue, mm-hmm. uh, probably three to seventy-five million. Mm-hmm. Um, sweet spots probably somewhere between three and twenty million. There are more companies in that size range. Um, pretty much agnostic. Uh, what I do not do, and that makes it a lot easier, is mainstream America restaurants uh, like the retail store. I've started selling lamps or the pet store over here. I don't work on those. I work mostly on industrials, healthcare technology, logistics, mm-hmm. companies like that. I'll do heating, air conditioning companies, that kind of thing, but not the retail store or the restaurant. Those are you know, more complicated and there are people who are better at, at you know selling that kind of business. And the, the way to find out is if the owner is or the owners are thinking that at some point in the near future, they're going to want to sell their business. And you should probably start thinking about that five years before. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not five years, if it's three years or two years, it's still a good time to get in contact. The earlier, the better. Yeah. So you mentioned one instance earlier. Maybe you want to expand on that one or mention another one, uh, a success story or two that help illustrate the great work that you do and, and uh, provide business owners with. Yeah, that one I think is an excellent, it was a very poorly run company. They hired an outside CEO to run it and he brought me in to be his sounding board and we started working with us. So he's done a fantastic job on that. There's another one I had worked with, which was a technology company that when I first started talking to them, they were under a million. Mm. And three years later, they were under a million, sorry, in revenues. Mm -hmm. They were over 15 million. Oh, wow. And they made the Eden 5,000 list two years in a row. And that one was a challenge because it was one of those where the owner was too involved in the business Mm. and wanted to do everything, controlled everything and had to get him to step back. And he had some, he finally brought in some talented people and said, they know what they're doing. You got to step back and make sure that the process takes care of itself. And when he started doing that, he saw the big difference. And so he was allowed to think more strategically and let his people carry out, execute the strategy rather than him being on top of that. Because a person only has 24 hours in a day. There's only so much you can do. And when you have that whole team doing that and they've got different ideas, it's all complementary to whatever you're thinking. So He had to spend some time with Dr. Farage, right? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I'm not, 
I'm not the nicest guy when I talk. I'm pretty straightforward. I'm going, you get out, you got to do this. You right. do it or you stay where you are. You right. Know, it's not, um, that sounds what that's doctor's advice, right? Yeah. Yep. If you want to get well, you need to take my advice. That's right. Wow. What great work you're doing, Joe. Thank you, Thank you so much for coming in and uh, sharing it with us. And uh, the work you do for business owners, it's important work and we're delighted we could shine the spotlight on it Thank today. You. But let's get to the most important question for those that would like to get in touch with you, learn more about you and your work, and maybe talk to you about their business. Uh, how can they get in touch with you? One easy way is to link up with me on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And my name's simple. It's Joe Farach. I think I'm the only one on LinkedIn with that name. <laughs> so that's one way. The other way is uh, you can contact me at jfarach at NeriCap, N-E-R-I-C-A-P.com, or you can call me or text me at 404-644-6739. Thank you. Joe Farach, Revenue Igniter Group and Neri Capital. Thanks again for coming in. Thank you. Hey, folks, just a quick reminder. I've got a book that is out it's called The Generosity Mindset, A Journey to Business Success by Raising Your Confidence, Value, and Prices. If you're a solo or small professional services provider, you may be interested in this book. And if you want to know more, you can go to thegenerositymindset.com to learn more and find out how to buy the book. And thank you in advance for that. I want to also thank you, our listeners, just for listening to this show and for your support of this show. We're at... Uh, show. I think this is number 725 or somewhere around in there. And we have only gotten this far because of you. You continue to like us on social media, share the show, send us notes of support. And we appreciate that so much. And we particularly covet that before on behalf of our great business leaders that we have on this show, like Joe and the other some 1100 we've had over the years. We want to highlight their work and showcase their work so it helps them get connected with people who can use their services. So the extent you can continue to support us in that way, we would be grateful to you on behalf of them, our great business leaders here in the North Fulton region. So for my guest, Joe Farach, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.